Welcome to Game Study Hall. Hide your DS in a book and act like you're working. It's Game Study Hall. Tonight on the Dan and Guy Power Hour. So are you you're, are you caught up with the Orville? Yes, I watched all six episodes of the Orville. It's amazing. Wait, there's only six? Yes. Oh, I'm not as far behind as I thought. How? Wait, what episode are you on? I just watched the one with the trial. That's episode three. Okay. So I'm halfway. So um, so I watched the Orville on your recommendation, and I kind of feel bad about my initial... Um, uh, Thinking you were going to hate it because it's Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. I, yeah, and then I it think... turns out it's just it's Star Trek. Yeah, well, so I think it, it is very... It's one of those things where... I think even if someone were to watch it and not like it, it's very clear that this is made exactly the way it wants to be, and it's done very well to be exactly what it wants. And so, like, I really enjoy it, so I think it's good. But I could see where, even if someone didn't like it, they could still argue for its quality. Because it is, I mean, you're exactly right, it is beat for beat Star Trek, like old Star Trek. And I'm very... Isaac's voice, or Isaac's actor is basically doing a Brent Spiner impression. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think all of it works very well. I I actually really like the the actors and their characters. I think it all meshes really well. I'm like, I'm surprised at how good their dynamics are, even, you know, this early in the show. Oh man, I think it's one of those, like, it strikes me as kind of like a labor, a labor of love sort of thing. Like, the people making it really like and they know Star Trek and because of that you know they're putting in the effort I mean I I think that's something we're seeing more and more in general is that people working on projects that they feel passionate about because there are more and more projects and there are more and more people working so everyone can kind of pair off into the things they want yeah and that's how you get amazing shows like the Orville. Especially because everyone has this shared history of Star Trek existing. Yeah. I mean, I very... I will say, it is very much like old Star Trek in that I cannot watch a lot of it at once. Because it is very... Like, so I've been trying to finish Voyager, uh, and I very much enjoy it, but I can't watch more than, like, one episode at a time. Because... Well, that that's Voyager. Like, you know, Deep Space Nine, when I was watching that, you know, it was during that span of time, like, after college when I was unemployed, and the last, honestly, God, like, 20 episodes, I basically didn't sleep. I just stayed up and kept watching them. Because, you know, the last, se- the last season's basically just serialized. Like, what are you going to do? Put it down in the middle of the Dominion War? No, of course not. You gotta see what happens next. I don't think I've watched Deep Space Nine since it was on. I, I was gonna work. I was gonna get to it after I finished Voyager. Oh my god, Deep Space Nine. It's a lot. It's. I wouldn't call it better than Next Gen. I would call it different but equal. Well, it's right, a so, much different feel. And what I remember of Deep Space Nine was the entire show was more of a larger arc, whereas yes. Next Gen was more original series with the like every week is a thing. Yeah. 
it's Alien of the Week, sometimes there will be callbacks, but for the most part, you could shuffle the episodes, pick a random one, watch it, and it's just, it's good fun. I think that's the thing about old Star Trek, the Orville, and even Voyager to extent, is that because it wraps up nicely, even though Voyager has an overall arc, that because it wraps up nicely by the end, it gives you that sense of conclusion. Oh, and yeah. like, there's that thing in your brain that says, oh, I'm, well, this is done for now. But also, Voyager, like, the, Orv- the Orville's really good about not having the, like, Star Trek cyber g- jargon that... Like, yeah, actually, I noticed that, like, that is one thing, and you can see that, like, that continues. Even when they're in, like, engineering, he talks to, you know, the, the chief in engineering, and there's no jargon. The guy just, he's like, yeah, well, these are our engines. Like, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, they, they kind of just, like, snark at each other, because... It's something, like, when two engineers talk to each other, you know, they just use, like, casual language, because they're not trying to explain something to anyone, they're just having a conversation, and I think it comes through really well. Yeah, you know, actually, is uh, one thing, and this is something I really, really like, is, you know, like in Star Trek, a lot of times, at the end of the episode, like, everything just wraps up nicely. Right? Like, if there's a trial, you know, like, okay. I feel like in Orville, where it kind of differs from Star Trek, is that, you know, they they don't always win. And you can see this in some, like, the later episodes, too, like, 4 and 5 and 6. Like, the ending is, it's one of those endings that kind of makes you think, rather than just I has it. Yeah, good guys yeah. win. Well, in the third episode, you know, they lose. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the... Although, the third episode was very... I was... If the show was of a lesser quality in general, I would not have forgiven the third episode. But it is very much like, we're going to stand and like make a... Like, take a stand on this idea. Because the whole episode is, about, is, like, is a gender war. I it's mean... Like, this is... I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it more as just like... It's Star Trek. You know what I mean? Like, they always did that. If it were non... If this were a non-Star Trek show, I would have said, oh, it's the preachy gender episode. But, it, you know, it's kind of like, this is just... Star Trek always did this stuff. This is what Star Trek is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like for that episode, though, it was very, like, shoehorned in. Because the logic of it didn't really make any sense. That, like, a monogendered species sometimes has... A genetic mutation. Right, but if that were the case, they wouldn't treat it... Like, they treated it like, oh no, men are just better, and not like, this is, you know, this is like a crime against science, because, you know, this isn't, like, what happens. But they were like, no, men are just better, which is why we're, like, a single-gendered species. I was like, what? That is a very peculiar stance for a single-gendered species to take. How yeah? How did they become single gendered then? And then also, like in that trial, at no point were they like, because their whole argument was society will shun them for being female. I'm like, so you're just making the argument that your society is shitty, and you like don't want to do anything to fix it. You'd rather just give this kid an operation. Yep. I just I find it fascinating too because you would think. In any society that would give birth to something that wasn't, like, a genetic mutation that wasn't 
completely non-functioning, I feel like society would be fascinated and, like, embrace it. Yeah, but I, I thought they tried to show that their society is, like, you know, they play it fast and loose with safety regulations. Like, this is very much not a science society. This is just a... Like, they're the Klingons, right? I mean, like, even... Bordis, Bordis is the Klingon. Like, he's very clearly the Klingon character. He talks low. He's serious. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the... I don't know, it, it, it seemed... Uh, it seems shoehorned in, but then compare that to Next Gen's first episode, which is the, like, proves humanity is okay for the universe. Yeah. I mean, that being said... I thought it was weird, and I didn't think it made sense, but it was still remarkably well done, considering. Yeah. I, yeah, I, and I really like it. I wish Norm MacDonald was in it more. He just has, like, a weird cameo in two of the three first Wait, episodes. he's the, the Jell-O guy, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, the Jell. Oh, he, there's actually some good ones with him uh, in later episodes. Oh, does it pick up? Yeah, because the... No, it doesn't pick up. It's still just, like, three-second cameos, but, like, he's in the uh, medical day, and he's trying to hit on the doctor. He's like, hey, what do you say you go back to my room? She's like, you're cello. What would we even do? And he goes, here, watch this. And uh, was that? He, in, uh, I thought that was in the third episode. Was that one? I mean, I, I maybe remember that one that wasn't there. So yeah, that was the. But like, yeah, it's it. There's that kind of thing. According to uh, Penny, whatever her name is on Twitter, apparently in episode eight. So not this Thursday, but the Thursday after that, there's going to be uh, uh, some. Uh, some more stuff with him. What? What is that? I feel like you're trying to hint to something, but in context, that could be literally anything. Because she was very ambiguous, because Twitter does not give you many characters to work with. Oh, so you're being ambiguous because it was ambiguous? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know something is going to happen. That is... Alright, I'm going to just... Uh... I guess I will wait and see. There's a whole lot of something that's going to happen. So the so in, in watching the Orville uh, on your recommendation, I also was like, you know what? I'm going to Star Trek Discovery. The the new Star Trek is also out. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll watch these side by side and see. I mean, like, what better circumstance than now, right? So I actually have not had a chance to watch uh, the new one yet. It is well. So what, what's remarkable about it is it's not Star Trek, uh, and now, I don't say that in like a bad That's way, but it is very... kind of like the what I heard is that you know whereas the Orville was made to be exactly Star Trek, appealed people that wanted to watch Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Discovery was made to kind of appeal to the normies, you know, the the normal audience. Uh, no, I think I if I were to guess, I would say the Orville is far more approachable than Star Trek Discovery. Oh, really? See, I feel like one of the things is, and I think, you know, we talked about this in the previous episode. Remember when I talked about the, uh, like, in Kingdom Hearts, how it kind of, it sets up all the backstory for characters in other, like, in normally in a game, you have to set up backstory for characters. If you don't, you have no attachment to them, but if you do, it wastes a bunch of time and it's slow. Whereas Kingdom Hearts didn't have this. You get to Agrabah, you already know Aladdin's the good guy because you watched, you know, the movie Aladdin. So because of that, it can jump right into the climax where you're fighting Jafar. Then you go to, you know, 
Col Olympus Coliseum, and you can jump right into the climax of your fighting Hades, because you already know he's the bad guy. I feel like Orville kind of did that, where, like, they didn't explain what a holodeck was, or what the Union was, or the Federation, or they didn't have to explain what a quantum drive or a warp drive is. Like, all of these things that normally Star Trek would take the time to either techno-babble explain, or even just, you know, casually introduce to people over time, the Orville can hit the ground running and have all these things in the first episode, no explanation, because we've already seen hundreds of episodes of this. Like, in the first episode, when you see Gordon is in this area training with, like, an orc, you don't question what's going on, you already know, oh, he's in the holodeck, okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, why, why, what's this? You know, you take a step back, and someone who's never seen Star Trek, they're going to say, wait, what, what's going on? What? And I Whereas, think the number of people who have not seen a Star Trek thing is a very small number of the population. It is a small number, but it's still a non-zero now. Like, you can't just... Well, I, I would argue the average person watching television has, if not seen, at least heard of the three recent Abrams Yeah, but they may Star not Treks. know the, like, specifics of what a holodeck is, right? No, I think... Right, and then in addition to the fact that we've recently had two, uh, three, you know, a whole trilogy, that in addition to the new uh, Star Wars coming out, the... Um, Star Trek has been in, you know, the zeitgeist so long. I mean, they would know what a holodeck is from watching Community, right? What is what is Community? Community is was a really popular show on NPC uh, with Donald Glover, um, uh, where they're at a community college. It's oh. very good. Have you really not seen this? I have never even heard of it. You've definitely heard of it. I haven't. That's why I asked you, what's Community? Uh, I mean, I, I find it really hard to believe that, like, you exist on the internet, right? I don't know what community is. Anyway, not the point. I, I mean, I know now, because you answered my question, but like... Either way, it was a very popular show. The, the sort of person who would be watching the Orville or Star Trek is the sort of person who would have watched community. Okay. I'm saying, and, you know, they make these sorts of references on that show. I'm saying, you know, the, the idea of, like, a holodeck is kind of ingrained in culture. I mean, I didn't know what a holodeck was until after I watched Next Gen. Right. 20 years ago? No, actually, I didn't watch Next Gen until, like, my last year of college. I didn't watch Star Trek until last year of college. Well, I'm, that's still that's still pre the, like... Still, like, early era of, you know, the TV boom. You know, like, the rise of Netflix and things like this? I don't know. I, I think the general Star Trek tropes are pretty commonplace that... I think the... And especially, the Orville, you know, wraps up nicely at the end, whereas Star Trek Discovery doesn't, right? It's trying to be, you know, a major, like, plot line. And I think that is less... Right, if you were to argue the like general TV audience, although Netflix is also changing that idea. Yeah, for now. Either way, Netflix. point, but no, I really like, I really like Orville. I don't really like Star Trek Discovery. And I like what it's doing, but I... I have a really hard time getting behind shows where their central premise is kind of illogical. 
in a like interpersonal way. So the whole thing is about the main character uh, started a war with the Klingons, sort of. So this is pre- this is pre original series. She was she's a human raised by Vulcans. She's on a ship, and she they come across a ancient like Klingon artifact. They don't realize it's Klingon. They go to investigate it, and she accidentally kills a Klingon and starts a war. And in an attempt to save her ship from being destroyed, she starts a mutiny to, like, warp away. Then fails, war starts, she's sent to prison, and then, the like, after the intro is then, it's picked up where she's put on a ship because she's really smart, but also they don't need to worry because she's a criminal, so they don't, like, have to care about her well-being. But everyone's an asshole to her. And while I understand, like, yeah, mutineer, they don't like them, you brought them on board specifically to do something. Being an asshole and, like, not telling them what to do or, like, how to get it done isn't helping you. And I find it really hard to, like, keep following it. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, can you repeat that? Sorry. The idea being that the side characters are all making their own lives harder just for the sake of being mean to the main character. They're d- Wait, what? That, why would they do that? Right, exactly. Why, why would they do that? It's, so it's very hard to watch the show and be like, oh, everyone's being an asshole just because they, they feel like it? Which is one of the many reasons. Although, and... I don't know. I, the, in the general sense, the Orville is... The Orville is Star Trek for Star Trek fans, and Discovery is for Star Trek fans who have been keeping up and want something new. I mean, I want a Star Trek that takes place after Voyager, whether it's immediately after or a hundred years later, I don't care, but I want a continuation of that. Of the, of the, the Star Trek universe? Yes, I want them to boldly go where no one has gone before and explore strange new worlds and seek out new life and new civilizations. Not, oh, we're at war with the Klingons again. Like, especially since the last Star Trek show to come out, Enterprise, was a prequel. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this is is a prequel even to Enterprise. No, it's a prequel to, it's after Enterprise, before original series. Oh, that's right. I guess right. I guess nothing could be before Enterprise because it's yeah. But like, this is the thing. Like, why? I don't know. Why, why are they so afraid of doing new stuff? Are they worried that oh, if we give people if we you know start it's you know are they falling into the same like rut that Disney is with Star Wars of oh well Star Wars has to be the Empire and the Rebels oh Star Trek has to be you know the Klingons. Um, you know what I mean? I actually think it's the... I think the... Ob- it, I think it definitely looks that way, but I think the opposite is true. I think Star Trek is trying to get away from... I mean, essentially get away from what the Orville is. The, like, every week is a, you know, a single episode where something happens. There is an overall plot, but every episode is contained that someone can sit down and watch it. And it's very you know, TOS next-gen. 
And I think in the wake of the cinematic universes that Star Trek is looking to round out its own universe, I think. Personally, if they made a show that was post-Voyager, they would then probably need to accept all the current canon as still canon. But if they do Discovery, rewrite it, they can then make another, you know, shows and movies that are more with a newer canon to make a better, like, cinematic universe. Why do they need a new cinematic universe? What's wrong with the existing one? I, I don't know. I just... It's just my suspicion of what, of what they're trying to do. Like, I mean, it's what Star Wars did, right? They're consolidating. So there's not all this extra information that people need to gather up. I mean, they're bringing back all of the extended universe in Star Wars, so they didn't really change anything. They're just reintroducing it. I just, I don't see why they have to do that with Star Trek. Star Trek works just fine. It worked just fine. Oh, I don't... I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I, I think that's what's going on. And also, Star Trek is very approachable. In the general sense, like, pre-Discovery, Star Trek is very approachable. Yeah, I know. Like, I watched Star Trek First Contact before I watched any of the TV shows. Which one's First Contact? That was the one with uh, the Borg movie. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because, you know why? Because they made it so that it could be watched by someone who had never seen Star Trek before. Now, if you have seen Star Trek, you can go back, rewatch it, see some flaws with it. For instance, the uh, like the, the audience stand-in woman that Picard has his conversations with. Like, all those conversations would have been you know, with Beverly in a normal episode. And you can tell because she got, like, no screen time that movie because her job was kind of, as the person that talks to Picard, kind of got taken from her. But, you know, that aside, everything else worked out nicely. I, yeah, I haven't watched any of those movies probably since about the time they came out. I know I never saw Nemesis. I definitely watched the Borg movie, but it was probably about when it came to video the first time, and then, like, never again. Even though the Borg are, like, the scariest goddamn thing ever. They're space zombies. Uh, no, they're... They're way worse than space zombies. How are they worse than space zombies? Because... I feel like I must have talked to you about this, but in watching Voyager, what I discovered is that the Borg don't just assimilate you, they assimilate you and then enslave you. Because when you become a Borg, you get a new personality. Like, you become a new person. But then that person is enslaved to the Collective, and they don't actually want to be, because when they free Borgs, as evidence of Seven of Nine, the Borgs don't want to be part of the Collective. So, you're being murdered because you're becoming a new person, so your old person's gone, but then also enslaved as the new person. It's super messed up. Which is just one of the many reasons I think Voyager is the best Star Trek. Although I haven't watched Deep Space Nine in so long that I might not have a good opinion. But, like, I don't really understand why Voyager is still 
not well liked? Um, I think it's because after Deep Space Nine, you know, giant epic spanning storyline, it got followed up by Aliens of the Week. Also, I think it was a writing thing. You know, characters would vary wildly from episode to episode. You know, on some episodes, Janeway is like, no, we can't even think of breaking the Prime Directive, you know, even if that means I need to strand my crew 75 years from home. Other episodes, it's, yeah, let's just genocide half the people on this planet because, you know, it could get us, you know, save us a day's time. Never mind that it would take two days to do so, so it'll actually slow us down. You know, that actually doesn't come through, like, so... Like, obviously, that's hyperbole. It was never... Well, no, no, I... Well, the I'm, first one, not hyperbole, but... Not completely disagreeing, but, like... So, when I first started watching, I was, like, binging it, and then, quickly, by, like, season two, I, I couldn't watch more than one episode at a time. But, you know, I don't... What, episode, I, what season are you in? Um, hold on, I can pull up my... You got, uh, to, you got to the part with seven and nine, right? Yeah, I think it's just after they introduced seven and It got nine. better with seven and nine, because she's basically just data... Yeah. You know. No, the uh, one downside I... to that is every time there's a problem... Season it's... 4, episode 12 is where I... The last thing I watched. Yeah. Like, they do have somewhat over-reliance on her and that, oh, I can just use my Borg nanoprobes to science, science, Borg nanoprobes, nanoprobe science my way out of this one. You know, kind of like how Data's like, Captain, I think I can use my positronic brain to be completely smarter than everyone around me and science my way out of this one. I mean... That's the thing that I find hard to watch about Voyager is that is the constant like science, 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 science thing happens, science, um, and I feel like there's less of that in the early seasons, which is probably why I kind of like slowed down. But if, in watching, so like season one, I watched kind of bingey, and all that weird stuff about characters' inconsistencies plays a little better because it you it feels like tension. Like rising and falling, if you watch it in batches. But like, is it plays off more like the whole idea? You know, willpower will is a finite resource. What do you mean? In so like, first? you know, so if you know, incidents A, Jamie says we can't break the prime directive, and then incident B, we can't break the prime directive. But you know, incident three, she's now had to twice do that, and like it becomes mentally exhausting subconsciously to keep, you know, turning down a good thing because of the same reason. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, if you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and your opponent throws rock a hundred times, every time you're like, well, now is the time they're going to switch, right? Oh, uh, except I always throw rock, because rock always wins. Well, right, but the, the point being, though, is that there's that thing in the back of your brain going, you know, at some point I'm going to switch. So, in the case of Janeway's inconsistencies, it feels like a human inconsistency. Oh, yeah. Which I could see, if you were watching it week to week, I, I could see that being annoying. Like, I sort of understand why it wasn't well-received initially. Like, the whole time travel thing and character inconsistencies, uh, but also Deep Space Nine and then going into Voyager. But now, post all of that, I'm surprised it hasn't you know, like, being more well-regarded. Supposedly, the, uh, remember the Year of Hell episode? 
or was it two-parter? It was a two-parter. It's, it's some of the greatest television I've ever seen. Yeah, apparently it was originally going to be a uh, a season, like a full season arc, and they kind of got scared and said, no, 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 let's just do a two-parter. I kind of would have liked to have seen. But, so the the problem with it being the whole season is the conclusion of that is they undo all none, of it. Well, yeah, none of this matters. It was all a dream. Yeah. But uh, you know, imagine Red Foreman just being the antagonist for a full season. I kind of feel bad for that actor. He's who Kurtwood Smith is the last name. Kurtwood something. Yeah, I mean, he was in the original RoboCop. Um, but yeah, he Red Foreman was such a um, identifiable character. That's like all I see him as now. I mean, it's not exactly like the worst thing to be typecast as. You're typecast as a loving but stern father. Uh, Kurtwood Smith is his name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a very good actor. I, I don't know. I just always feel bad when actors get typecast for really any reason. I mean, I kind of feel the same way about, like, Paul Rudd, where everyone I talk to is like, oh, Paul Rudd seems like such a cool guy. Like, well, part of that, you know, like, part of that conceit is that you know, he seems nice on screen, so he must be nice, but he's acting. So anytime you believe a characteristic to be true of an actor, you're kind of saying they're not doing a good job acting in a way, right? <laughs> I mean, this, I you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, but, like, at the same time, I feel like making any judgment about someone's character from their acting is kind of the antithesis of what they want. But I'm also not even close to an actor, so I guess I wouldn't really know. I, guess, I mean, who doesn't want to be well-liked, right? Well, I guess um, Kurtwood Smith. <laughs> apparently the reason why the guy in RoboCop wore glasses was at his request. Because he wears glasses? Yeah. But he says, I, I don't remember, it was, I remember reading somewhere, but it was like... He's like, no, 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 the bad guy has to wear glasses. I don't know, the... Like basic so accoutrements do work for bad guys, and it's like it's like a mustache for your eyes. Or like an evil goatee for your eyes. I know, but you think about it, like, normally, right, the, the crime lord isn't the one wearing the glasses. I don't know, I'm trying to think of... trying to think of any crime lords at all. Um, this shouldn't be that hard. It should be hard. How, uh, how many crime lords do you know? In movies? Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know any crime lords in real life, but... And for all I know, they do all wear glasses. Um, yeah, you know, actually, hold on. I have notes here somewhere. Oh, I did... I will say this. I, I was extremely skeptical of the first, like, 20 minutes of the Orville. Because there's a whole seat when he meets the crew, and it's clear that they're just like, oh, improv now. And he's... Like, saying all this weird shit that doesn't make any sense. 
You know what I'm talking the, about? What, when he was just introducing the crew? Yeah, and he's like, oh, th- you know, like this person, oh, like, single-gendered race, you know, like, I guess there's no arguments about the toilet seat. But he had, like, a quip for everybody, and it felt very much like... It felt like someone told him to, like, yeah, go riff now. Like, it felt very improvisational, but not in a good way. You know what I mean? Not really. I mean, I I just assumed that was just, like, the... You know, it, I chalked up the first, like, episode being kind of meh to, well, you know, the writers were just getting used to it. You know what I mean? Like, getting into the, the swing of things. Oh, I mean, I... I don't think that makes the episode bad. I don't know, it just felt... I was, at that moment, very skeptical, because... Letting characters riff has been very popular. I feel like popular in movies lately because of some successes and, you know, it's not always a good idea. In, like, that case, I didn't think any of those jokes were very funny and they all kind of seemed out of place. But then the show was very good, so I felt like I was just being an asshole. Oh, oh my god, the, so a bunch of nitpicks that I, I feel like are, when else am I going to get to use them? The, uh, the, at some point he has to, like, take a call or something, so he, like, punches into his captain's chair, and I was thinking about, like, what a ridiculous system that the only way he could access any information was to, like, type into his armrest and then look at that little screen. And then that anyone standing near him could also just read it. That's like the... You know. That's like the old Star Trek. I know, it's just... For whatever reason, it it stood out really strongly to me. I was like, that's really weird, actually. And the same... I I don't know, I... Like, I had a notepad out to watch it, because, like, oh, you know, we're going to talk about it have, like, an educated thing, like, paying attention, and they were all just, like, really stupid nitpicks, where, like, there was the episode of the, the, like, time gun, where they use a redwood tree to destroy a ship. I mean, uh, that thing with that, you gotta remember, is, uh, you know, kind of like how, you know how trees can grow through, like, concrete and everything? Yeah. But That's... trees also grow around stuff. I, I, I don't know. It, if I felt like a starship could probably withstand a tree, like starships and cement are very different. Well, not krill ships. Apparently not. Um, and actually, and so something that's bothered me a lot because it actually came up in Star Wars, like a Star Wars RPG I was playing, but the. Wouldn't a, like, digital door default to manual if it was broken? Um. Okay, so, if you go to a grocery store when the power's out, the doors don't just, like, they're still hooked up to motors, and you still have to manually pull them open. Yeah, but, but they're not, like, they're not locked. Right, they're just—they're not hard locked, but it's not like they—they they don't just glide open. Like there is resistance because you have to turn a motor. 
Yeah, yourself. you just yeah, you turn the motor by hand versus it doing it automatically versus being locked because the power is off. Yeah. Because, oh, I... Because, I mean, so it happens in the Orville, but it also... There's a whole argument happened in one of my Star Wars RPGs um, about whether or not there are mechanical locks in Star Wars. And we got into this whole big thing. Apparently there aren't mechanical locks in Star Wars universe. That, like, if you can hack into something... Like, if you're just a better, like, computer hacker, you can open any door, and, like, people can't keep you out because there's no, like, key mechanism... They don't have any locks. No, so we got into this whole big argument. We ended up looking it up. Apparently, there are no physical like turn a key, and the only way to get in is to have the key or to physically break the door. That they're all some sort of computer lock. Well, all right. Except for there was one planet in all of Star Wars that has mechanical locks. Apparently, they've invented lock technology. Yeah. But that also. So actually, have you played the Fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG, like the pen and paper? No. Did I tell you about this? Is it's the one that uses the dice aren't numbers; they're success, they're success advantage, failure disadvantage. Uh, no. I don't think I maybe you told me about it, but I don't remember much. Well, so the general idea is it they have funny dice that instead of numbers you roll a number of dice based on your skill and the die faces are advantage success and then you roll against the difficulty which is another pool of dice that have advantage dis- uh, disadvantage and failure and you just have to get more successes it's actually it's a really good system I, I really enjoy it um, which is how that argument about Star Wars door locks came up but it's the force is so super broken in just a general sense that it can get very silly. But I so my my overall point though was that system is really good and I want to play it more. Um but the only people I know who've ever played it are the people I'm already playing it with. So when I come up to Buffalo, I'm playing Star Wars. Alright. Was the last time you played like a tabletop thing? Like, like a pen and paper, D and D s. Back when I tried to play Dungeons and Dragons at Merrimack, and failed miserably because you had a bunch of people who didn't care. Yeah, yeah, that that will kill a game pretty pretty fast. Oh shit! Okay, I need you to hold on. I I need you to try something because. I was doing some experiments with networking. Actually, uh, let's do. What are we going to talk about next time? I want to. I don't want to add like a hour and a half to this recording. Oh yeah. Uh, next time on the Dan and Guy Power Hour, we discuss. Um, uh, it's about the one we actually get around to doing what our next time is. But I know that. Uh, Sonic Forces is going to be coming out. Sonic Forces? What's Sonic Forces? The new Sonic game. Is is he a freedom fighter? No. No, that was only in the non-canonical Saturday morning cartoon show.
Games Turkey.